Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our show presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. It's part of the 440 Sports Network. Today, we will be speaking with Seabass of WNWS of Jackson, Tennessee, so let's get right to that. Seabass joins me for our weekly conversation. He's been a longtime guest on the podcast. He works at WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, the howling has started from the bonus room behind me. Uh, folks can probably hear that, but uh, and anyway, my dog is very excited that you're on the show, evidently, or, or maybe dismayed. I don't know which it is, but welcome either way. Well, me and Oreo see eye to eye, man. Me and Oreo are good people. I guess he's getting big by now, yeah? He is 22 pounds, I think, which is enormous for a... He, he's a Shih Tzu, but he's got something else in him. I just don't know what it is, because he's got... I've had Shih Tzus. He's got a long snout. Um... He's a he's a strong dog, uh, and he's got this thing he does where about, I don't know, probably just two, three times a day, and it's darn near every day, he makes this howl that is just unbearable, um, and, and there's no apparent reason, and it's the loudest, most shrill thing that I've ever heard. I mean, it sounds, if you didn't know, you'd think it was a, a, a wolf or a, or a dog you know, six times his size. I've never heard anything like it. The other ones I had never did anything like that. But it is the it is the loudest, most ear piercing thing that you've ever heard from an animal. And I, I don't know how oh, he does it or yeah. what causes it, but I just know it is nearly a daily occurrence. And you may have just heard it on the pod. Well, let's hear. It. Let me let me let me hear. It. Do do an impression of it for me. I I can't even, and I don't even want to. <laughs> Chris, I'm just I would I would hurt my vocal cords and hurt everybody's ears, and I really don't want to do that. Uh, hey, I understand, man. All right, let's rock and roll. Where are we headed today? Well, let's see. There's been a win in the in the left hand column since we talked last. So there's Had that. Had yep. To, yeah. So let's let's go there. Uh, what did yeah. you What did you make of that? Well, you know, I mean, hey, you know, at, at this point right now, I, to me, a win is a win. At this point, if we can get a win uh, right now, whether it's Connecticut, Columbia, or Carolina, I, I don't care. I mean, this is about laying a foundation. And did we look great? No. I mean, but we did do enough to get a win. I mean, and nobody think about it. I mean, look, most of the expectations uh, for this team were two, three, maybe four wins on the season. So, you know, even though they, you know, they they lost that game to ETSU to start things off and. Uh, they lost to the other teams they were supposed to beat, and I think we would both freely admit that after ETSU, we we thought that that Colorado State and yes, even Connecticut was definitely up in the air, and they found a way, uh, though albeit close, to win those football games. Uh, you got to take those little victories where you can get them. I think we're going to have plenty of material for the rest of the year, so you might as well just kind of enjoy what's in front of you, right? Yeah, I mean, and there were look, there were there there are things to like, you know, some things that uh, that makes you happy. You know, I, I think every time you see, the more you see Will Shepard get the ball in his hands, the more you like this kid. The more that he doesn't really 
you know, I, he's, he's just uh, – I don't think we've had a guy kind of like Will. I'm not saying he's the best receiver in Vanderbilt history, uh, but he just seems to have a, a level of, of, of after the catch and, and, and ability to go get the type of football that, uh, that this team is – that this team is needed, and and I like what I see out of the second-year player from Louisiana. Uh, one question I have, though, is, and I don't know if it's a him thing or whatever the case may be, is, is what happened to seven, man? I mean, that that is not a kid without talent by any stretch of the imagination. But I just, I mean, he's they're not they're not even looking Johnson's way, best I can tell. Okay, I have a theory on this, and you have played competitive football and I have not. So you fill me in here. If I'm just being stupid, then then let me know. Their philosophy... Uh, okay, oh, sorry. <laughs> that, that didn't take long. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Th- their philosophy, and it is a philosophical thing. It's not a not the what, a, what the quarterback reads, from, my, from what I understand. They want to get the ball to kids in space, right? And so what that means yeah. in this offense... Is, is throwing the ball up and letting Shepard and Chris Pierce go make plays, which, by the way, those guys do a good job at doing that. The issue is, you know, A, getting the quarterback time, and then B, the throw's got to be there. And so that's a lot of that's a lot of parts, and I think the first right now has been a problem all season. And unfortunately, I think it'll be a problem again Saturday because of what Florida's going to throw at them having seen those guys. But anyway, put that well, aside for a while. Sure. So, and, and they also... I'm confused about something you said, though. What's I'm, that? I'm confused about something you said. Uh, you, you said they want to get them in space, but that they want to throw up the ball and let them go get it. Those are two different things. Well, Getting I, I think... Getting somebody like hitch, hitch passes out into the flat, throwing the ball in and uh, letting them high point and go up and get it is not getting them the ball in space. That's two different things. Well, the space they seem to choose is the space outside the hash marks. Yeah. So, however, most, however you want to phrase that. the most difficult pass to complete, yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot of times, I mean, and at least they threw the ball a little more downfield this time. It, the, the, yeah. I, the plays I hate are the, uh, the throw 30 to make five. Uh, that's just, that just looks like, you know, Carl Durrell and Jerry Godowski all over again, but... Anyway, okay, so that, that's part one. Part two, I, I think I think long-term, and you listen to him speak, maybe I'm wrong, but it seemed like Clark Lee wanted sort of a power running game as the foundation of his offense. Um, is, is the way I heard it, maybe I'm, I'm doing too much. I'm not saying they're going to run 80% of the time, but that's a part of what they wanted to do. They had a back in Ray Davis who could help them with that to some degree. He's gone, but, you know, when – when that's part of what you want to do, I'm, I'm, I'm presuming, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I'm wondering if part of the, the play calling and where they call them is to, to maybe keep the defense out of the middle of the field so they can run a little bit more easily when they do run, which is hard enough for them already. Is that a, is that a fair yeah, assumption? I, mean, I think there's validity to that, and I, I think the plan early on is – you know, and they're having to make some adjustments on the fly because you you, you are correct. I mean, I think they had a, a big, juicy role for Ramon Davis and what he was going to mean and do for this team uh, this year. And with 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 Rocco and Patrick, they're just different running backs. You know? Yeah, and, and you're not going to be you're not going to be able to do. And I like both of them, by the way. I do. I I think they both have uh, plenty of potential there. But 
for what I think they were hoping to do and hoping to be when they visualized what it might look like. I, I, I think that, that Davis was the, the key to that and the others would be a change of pace. You simply don't have the personnel for that. So uh, maybe they're doing some adjusting on the fly. But, you know, I just, I mean, I really like to see, look, Cam's a talented kid. I mean, we, we've seen that before. We know that's true. I sure would like to see him get involved in, in the offense. Uh, Ravon is completely, basically out of this offense, if you will. Um, and I don't know. One, one thing now, one thing that they could do with Cam that, that we have not done yet, and I made uh, a comment about it on the board is, and I've heard other people mention this too, is I don't think that in five games, and I'm, I could be wrong, I think I've seen every play of every game so far, um, I don't think I've seen the ball handed off to our motion not one time. They have and, not? You know, and – and and, and 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 if I know that, I promise you these defensive coordinators know that. And the, and they're really, I mean, I don't even get the point at that after a while. If it, the one thing that's going to make everything else work is that defense has to believe. They have to believe and have to guard for. If you hand that ball off to you, to your most to your guy in motion like that, and best I can remember, we have not done that. So nobody's ever going to key on it. And why would you if nobody's ever going to give them the ball? No, I I agree. They they have not handed it off once all year on the jet sweep. I, I don't think they do anything that confuses anybody. But where I was going to go is the two guys on that team that work the middle of the field more than anybody are Cam Johnson and Ben Bresnahan, and they literally just disappeared from the offense. Cam's been targeted one time each of the last two games, and Ben – I think was targeted what once and caught a ball against Connecticut, and that was actually catch, but that was down the field outside the hash. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I get that there might be reasons that they may do what they do. I don't think those reasons should play out to the point where seven and eighty six never touched the ball. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. Yeah, because our personnel is not such that we can just, I mean, we're, we're going to have to rely a little bit on, and I'm not even talking about trickery, but just, you know, misdirection, whatever the case may be, because we don't have the personnel that's going to physically line up and impose their will on, on teams in the Southeastern Conference. That That's just not going to happen. So we're going to have to make some other things work. And, you know, 
I thought Ken delivered the ball pretty well for uh, Saturday night. Uh, of course, Will had a, a monster game. Uh, you know, I, I mean, there's this team can be frustrating to watch at times. There, there's no doubt about it. But you know what? Look, like, like I said, they played hard. I mean, this was a bad team they were playing. But I would remind you of something, uh, that ever since Randy Apple's been gone, they've played better football there. Yeah, I mean, who was it the week before? Was it was it Wyoming? I think it was maybe in yep. in Connecticut that uh, they gave the Cowboys a run. Uh, they did. They're an improving product, you know. Without Randy Etzel, I've never been a Randy Etzel fan ever, uh, and I think they made a good move. And I'll say this to you: I think that if he'd been coach, had he not been there from the start of the season, that's a team that maybe won a game somewhere along the way. And I think that they will. Somewhere, you know. Now, one thing that did that did happen that I think was very fortunate for Vanderbilt, not for the young man himself, but that freshman quarterback, and I can't call his name for Connecticut, uh, uh, that went down. Yeah. I'll tell you this: had he not gone down, just based on the early, the preliminary things that we saw about of them out of them offensively, uh, I'm not sure Vanderbilt wins that game. A lot of people have said that, and I, I do think. I think just about everybody that listens to this podcast knows I have a Wyoming who's a starting wide receiver, Wyoming, a nephew who's a starting wide receiver at Wyoming. And so I watch just about every play of their games as much as I can. Um, and, and that one, our cable actually went out, um, or our power actually went out towards the end of the game. So I was having to stand out on the street and, and stream that and watch it at the end. But, um, you know, Wyoming is a team that's 4-0 and is probably going to win eight, nine games, go to a bowl. I know it's the Mountain West, but I think that's where that season's going to settle. And two-point conversion on the last play of the game, uh, if they hit that, they tie them and go into overtime. So I'm with you. I think that they emerged from that game. You know, it looked to me like the burden of Randy Edsel had been lifted off them. Uh, And sometimes teams play better. Uh, when they they feel better about things, and that to me looks like a team. Look, Connecticut's not a world beater. I know that um, they're playing. Is it this week or next week? They're playing UMass in what is considered the probably the two worst teams in the FBS by most people. And I bet you they'll get a win there. But yeah, I mean Connecticut to me, I think that was a little. Maybe we're splitting hairs here, but that was probably a different Connecticut team than we saw weeks one to three. Yeah, I, I think so. I just I just want to one thing I'll say. Taking away from this podcast is even though that team was winless, uh, I, I think they're vastly improved and improving every week. And you know what? Right now, we're not in the position to to scoff at wins. You know? No, and, not at and, all. Hey, that's that, that's the second. Uh, now that was a if you will walk off win, if you will last second field goal. Uh, but that's the second one of those we've hit. Now I know against Colorado State they had a little bit of time, but that's the second one of those t- that we've hit. In the season, in this season, and that's just not something we do. I mean, I can go back forty something years. I can I count on one one or two hands the the last second field goals that we hit to win football games. That doesn't happen uh, very often. So you know, after after Connecticut took the lead right there, after they took that lead, man, I, you know, I'll just say this. I was very proud of this football team with the help of that personal foul uh, of this football team marching down the field in the waning seconds uh, to get a much-needed victory. So, I, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I don't think it, it propels them past Florida or anything like that. But, you know, I, I think that, I think you'll see this is – you have to learn how to win. 
you know, you have to learn how. You 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 just do. And 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 I think they're going to do that together. I don't know if there's a another win on the schedule or not. I think there's some very beatable football teams. You know, it's too bad. This isn't one of the better Vanderbilt football teams this year, you know, Chris? Because if you look at this schedule and the way that it's played out, you know, I mean, all kinds of beatable Southeastern Conference teams, by the way. Yeah. Uh, you know, only about two or three this year that you look say, they're not beating Florida, they're not beating Georgia, probably not beating Ole Miss. But other than that, I mean, there's a very, you know, Kentucky's pretty tough. But, I mean, they, they beat what? I know they beat Florida, but they also beat uh, UTC by five points. You know, South Carolina's terrible. Uh, you know, uh, Missouri is probably worse than that. You know, this is too bad. This isn't one of the better Vanderbilt teams. Uh, I, I could have seen this. Uh, one of the better Vanderbilt teams, I could have seen win seven, eight games out of this schedule. Missouri's going to be their best chance at a win. But I'll tell you a, kind of a barometer game, because I'll be honest, I don't think it's going to be pretty in Gainesville. I think Florida's just got too much speed. I don't think there's a thing they could do about it. I think they could play that game a hundred times. And unless, you know, unless they end up plus five in turnovers, they're not going to win one of those. But I do think South Carolina in two weeks is a barometer game. Now, I, I think Carolina is legit two touchdowns better than they are. But that's not a team that's super talented. Um, you know, they seem to play better on the road than at home, maybe, uh, which I can sort of understand. I think that's a game that you look at. I, I don't think they're going to win that one. But if they if they come out of that down a field goal or a touchdown, the thing I told you before the season, I, I wasn't really going to judge them on wins and losses. And I think people now understand why I said that. I mean, it's right in front of you. Uh, I, I said all along probably two to four wins and I really thought three would be where they'd settle and yeah and you know the thing yeah I, I, I and so that. well let just I'll finish quickly to, to me it is it is how do you play the rest of those games are you taking some SEC teams deep into the fourth quarter and having a chance to win to me that's the season um you know the, the ETSU game just put them so far behind the eight ball in terms of opinion. And that, that's not unfair. It's not unfair. Uh, that should have never uh-huh. happened. But I, to me, you have a chance to hit the reset button and feel better if you can just play, say, a couple of games where you got a shot to win in the fourth quarter. I don't expect them to beat either South Carolina or Missouri. I think Missouri, again, they might have a shot in that because Missouri's defense is so bad and that effort that they put out was so bad that you start to wonder about things. Uh, and if Vanderbilt's feeling good about itself and more motivated for that game, then who knows, right? But I think Carolina in two weeks, forget this, they could lose by 40 to Florida, and they probably will. Um, but I think two weeks from now, Carolina's more of a fair fight. That's a team that had a bad culture situation, had a coaching change, scheme change. So Carolina is in the same boat that they're in, right, with all the stuff, bad season, coaching change, philosophical changes, all the stuff that Vanderbilt can say. Two weeks from now, they get a team in that same boat, and I think, to me, that that's a, a critical game just to see, can they hang in that game and make it interesting? If they can, I think it's encouraging. If they don't, I think it's troubling. This week, to me, uh, boring a a really pleasant surprise or just a disaster to where your jaw hits the floor it's so bad like it was two years down there two years ago down there uh, th- th- this week is kind of a non-starter for me 
Well, you know, and I honestly, I think I hate that Kentucky beat Florida the week before we play. You know, yeah, so, I'm, uh, I'm with I mean, you. I, I think I that's bad. That's a really yeah. good Florida team. That Florida's better than Kentucky. I know Kentucky won. Florida, to me, is, is just a better team. I think Florida, somebody asked me on a talk show this week who I think the third best team in the league is. I still think it's Florida, even though they, they've lost two. Uh, you saw how they played Alabama and Tuscaloosa two weeks ago. They've got speed. They've reloaded that offense. They're physical on the defensive line. Just to me, it's not a not a matchup they can win. By the way, I was just going to tell you this, and some people are on the, on the site seeing it right now, but I'm kind of cruising it right now, and looks like Colin Smith has set his decision announcement for uh, noon this Sunday. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's happened since I've been – been on the on the podcast or right before it so yeah yeah this just happened just a few minutes ago that came out and and sean posted it on there uh colin smith uh said put that out on twitter that he'd be making his decision on sunday and i know that's a real quick shift I, i'm sorry about that but i uh, just saw that but boy wouldn't that be a nice way to tie off of uh, the class i guess it was the third class for for stackhouse by getting a guy like colin smith that would be a great addition holy smokes I guess, you know, it really looks like, uh, for whatever the, the deal is, the stack looks like he's quite serious about loading down that bench finally. Well, he did what he should have done in the first place, which is hire guys with recruiting connections who can recruit. Uh, and and that's that's the difference. I don't think it's that hard. I get it, I, and I and I totally agree with that. But if we bag on him when he didn't, you know, when he, you know, and look, I know there are people who say you don't reward people or congratulate people for doing their job. Well, you know, hey, do you bag on people for not doing it when they get it right? You know, no, I'm with you. I I think, I think that, um, I I think they're, the the basketball program is in better shape. They've, they've made some changes there. I think he's got a chance to succeed more than I would have handicapped it a year ago. Now, he still hasn't done anything. Um, I know people are excited because they've, in people's minds, overachieved a little bit, but they haven't really been a team that you had to take that seriously. So I, I want to see what happens because the, the hard jump is going to be if he gets them towards the middle of the pack this year, which I think he's going to get them towards, maybe not right there, but I think he'll get them Oh, in that nine to eleven range, where it's it's better than it's been. But then once people start taking you seriously, can can then they make the jump from there? Because the league, the rest of the league, is still really talented. I, I don't know how much people that oh, that followed the sure. podcast have followed the other rosters and the transfers other teams have brought in, um, and, and the freshmen they've signed. But they're like, I think there's a pretty significant jump. Uh, between where they are to like the top eight teams in the league. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. I'm just saying that, you know, it's, and it may not be immediate, but you know, the thing about college basketball is it can be, that's the beauty. It is unlike football in that sense. You can have an immediate, I mean, absolute immediate turn. You can be a completely different program from one season to the next. And, you know, I mean, look, if he ends up with a top 10 class and, you know, Smith, could make that happen. He ends up with a top 10 class. I mean, think about this for a second. Record-wise, the way they've finished, what they've done over the last couple of years, there should be no reason for that outside of playing time. 
but so of course you're right. You you mentioned going out and getting those guys, but even getting them to have that immediate type of recruiting success when it certainly did not translate on the hardwood, I think it's a great sign for at least going forward. Well, and and I'm with you. I, th- I think you you criticize where it's appropriate. You give credit where it's appropriate. He has done. I mean, I think they they you can't. The Vanderbilt fans are really bad about taking victory laps before the race is run. Um, and so I'd, I'd, I would encourage people not to go there yet. But to me, the roster is set up for them to be a whole lot more competitive in the league this year. I, I you know, and, and then the Pippen coming back thing. I mean that that gives them that gives them oh. a real chance to be. Now, if that doesn't happen, then then we're having <laughs> we're having the conversations of the last three years over again. Um, and, you know, and maybe it makes it a little bit easier for him to recruit. But yeah, I mean, you've got to. You've got to acknowledge that the program is headed in a better direction. I'm not ready to, um, you know, to declare that they are, you know, whatever you want, fill in the blank with whatever. You got to show me first. But it's it's obvious to oh, me I that they it. have that they have improved some things. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. You know what would be a very difficult task. You know how we like to you and I annually we like to take the roster and divvy up minutes and whatnot. <laughs> I think this year would be by far the most difficult. By far. I yeah. wouldn't even – I mean, you can't. You just can't. I mean, they're counting so heavily on, on on transfers here that, you know. I mean, I think we can accurately pick people like Scott, you know, Scottie Pippen Jr. and stuff like that. And, and of course, you know, we keep hearing uh, about how uh, Wright has kind of transformed his body over the off season, you know, that it looks uh, much more conducive to, uh, to making an impact. And, and George, George is a good basketball player. He's a solid player. Uh, I, I, what, I think he's shaved off, what, 20 pounds maybe? Off That's that what frame. I've heard, yeah. And I, I'll be interested to see just how that translates, what type of player it makes him, you know, because it's, it's not like we were counting on him to be some kind of banging post player. So I think 20 pounds off would be huge. You know, so hey, look, I, 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 we'll, we'll get back to the football thing. I just and 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 Colin Smith has not committed to Vanderbilt, but I mean, it sure looks like he's about to. Yeah, I mean, I think he canceled a visit last weekend, was it? Yeah, Michigan. Yeah. Right. And they right. And Michigan picked up a, I uh, think a guy that filled out their class. I mean, it looks. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, you never know, but I mean, it looks like this is a Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt battle. Well, fortunately, they have a history of really turning Banner recruiting classes into something. What's that? <laughs> it was a joke. Never mind. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't, hear, I didn't hear what you said. I said, fortunately, they have a history of turning Banner recruiting classes into something. Hmm. You know, of course, you know, what I, what I was saying is a second ago about it being a Vanderbilt-Vanderbilt battle. We've lost those before. So, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> the chickens are not being counted, I promise you. But, I mean, I think it would be another great addition to an already really good class. Well, look, they, they, have, they have put themselves in a position to where they can be respectable. Uh, and, and I think from this time a year ago, that's a big step. Oh, I agree. And to think about this, see now, now the young man who was from Knoxville, who was already transferred out of the program, think about the difference in trying to build your post around that. And as opposed to this year, you got Liam Robbins and next year you're going to have Lee Dort. I mean, Lee Dort is not the type of player that Vanderbilt usually lands there. He's not, you know, so, I mean, 
I'm kind of looking forward to some tough guys again. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all in the effort and the approach, and those have gotten a lot better. To be sure. Okay, I got about ten minutes, so if you got some mailbag thingies, let's uh, let's do that, and we'll put a wrap on it. Yeah, the mailbag is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt. In an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at number 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Um, I think we kind of answered this one. VU fans, this is from VU and Georgia. Should VU fans be happy with a last-second win over arguably the worst FCS team in college football at home against its second-string quarterback, giving up 523 yards of total offense and then missing a chip-shot field goal? Oh, that's an easy yes. Because if, if I frame it that same way, if I frame Vanderbilt that same way, you know, because I could come on and say, should I be happy about a, win, a team that finds a way to get its second win in the first five games despite the fact lost by 20 at home to a FCS team, a pretty good FCS team, uh, nothing more. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I can, we, we can do that. We can frame it anyway. The truth is the truth is the world's on fire. This person's right about that. But the answer is yes. You know, now, a year and a half from now, you know, I mean, once we've Clark Lee's got got everything the way he wants it, and he's, and he's been in there, and you're struggling to get by teams like Connecticut in in a year from now, then we have to reexamine that answer. But for right now, as this guy is learning to be a head coach, they're you know they're learning uh, to play for him, and they're trying to rebuild this program from the ground up. I will take what I can get at this point. You know, you just you, you just have to. You have to recognize and admit where you are. We're not middle of the pack. We're not close to the bottom of the pack. We're the bottom of the pack in the SEC. That's who we are. That's where we're at at this very moment. You're not going to get out there to, out of there today. It's just in the – you know how you'll hear people say there's not a 30-point play, so you do it one deal at a time. I will take these victories. I, I mean, I get it. I, I, I get it, y'all. I'm not stupid. I know who Connecticut is. But right now, we are not in the position to scoff at victories. We're just not. So I'll take them while I can get them as we layer by layer build this program. It's the only way I can look at it. There was one little nugget in Clark Lee's postgame press conference. Uh, I think it was that one. It could have been the one we did with him Monday. But I think it was after the game on Saturday. And I won't call it a bombshell. I'll call it a smoke bomb. But... I don't think anybody commented on this. I asked him, why have you gone to like this rugby style punt? Because Harrison can really boom kicks. We've seen him do it. Glad you asked that. Thank you. Tell me the answer. Well, his answer was, and and I am paraphrasing here. I've not gone back and listened to it again, but it's out there. It's on our YouTube channel. He basically said, we don't trust our <laughs> um, ourselves to hold off a rush. We're trying to... I guess stem that part of things and I thought whoa um if you don't think you got the guys up front to hold off Connecticut that's a statement well uh, you know I, I gotta ask this and I, I don't you know I'm not scoffing I, I'm not and I'm not I'm not being like that but did we get some punts blocked in games that I don't know about? Hey, I was wondering the same thing, too. I don't know if there's something they have picked up in film study that they feel is a leak that's going to crack. Um, I, I don't like it. I mean, I think Harrison is a really good punter. And I, I'm not a fan of the rugby kick. Uh, you know, I, I will say this, too. They're not very athletic. They don't have a lot of team speed. You've been 
You've hear, heard me say that for two years now. So it's no secret. And, and you have seen some teams that have done a little bit in the, in the return game. I mean, when, when a guy gets the ball in the open field against them, um, it's a little bit of a scary thing. I, I think that probably had something to do with it too. Look, I, I'm at this point. I just say Harrison's a good punter. He can he can drop a sixty yarder on you. I think I'm the point. I, I just I take my chances and maybe you pin a guy back deep. Um, if they break one on you, then there's a chance that was going to happen anyway when they get the ball back. So who knows? But uh, th- that was interesting when you heard his explanation because I thought it was very telling. Yeah, and I'm glad you asked that question because I mean, for one, I I think we've done. Poorly in regards to field position, uh, as a result of switching to that, I keep seeing this in between the thirty and forty. Uh, and I remember uh, Harrison Smith was burying people deep, you know, in those first couple of games. And best I can remember, he didn't have any of them blocked. So, and I, I hear people say, "Boy, they were real close," you know, you know, but they haven't been blocked. And I'm sorry, I mean. Harrison Smith was one of the only things to like about those first couple of games. You know, I, I, I mean, look, it's his call. They're going to do what they're going to do, but I, there's no way that's what I'd be doing right now because Harrison was just too effective. And people – and think about it. Think about this. You talk about, wow, they could return one. Think about the hang time that Harrison was getting. I mean, he, they, they were so – the hang time was so good, people were getting down there regardless you know, I just, I mean, I, I don't really get it, and I am not a fan. And by the way, if we're going to go with almost, they've almost had some of those rugby punts blocked. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, what uh, is that, that fractional worth the difference in field position? To me, it's not, but I'm not on that sideline. Okay, last one, because I know you need to be out of here in a few minutes, and this is going to take a minute to answer. Bex4VU, I'd love to see your commentary on the poll posted in the war room. Why do we stink at football? Choose up to three. And here's your choices. Losing culture in the AD. uh, Number two, innate speed, innate ability, that's speed, size, strength, and skill. Three, football, IQ, and mental confusion. Four, commitment and effort. Five, confidence. Six, technical coaching. Seven schemes and play calling, eight strength and conditioning program, nine bad fans, ten bad facilities. My answer to that would be yes. Well, first of all, I don't think there's such a thing as bad Vanderbilt fans. No, that that's the one that the bad fan that no, that's got nothing to do with it. There are no bad fans. Yeah. Well, no, there's bad fans. There's just no bad Vanderbilt fans. And, and and the reason that I say that is, and of course, it's a little gesture, uh, but there's not a fan base alive that's been through what we would that we've been through that would be solidified. There's not one. There isn't any. I don't care what the sport is. I don't care. I mean, you got those people that are just going to love their school and be true to it, and they're going to everything's right all the time, and they never question anything, and you shouldn't either, and all this other stuff, which is ridiculous. Uh, and it's not helpful to a program by any stretch of the imagination. But Vanderbilt doesn't have bad fans. You know, the ones that could be bad fans are long, long, long gone. Um, I think the if I, you say I could pick up the three, I don't need three. I don't need three because I think number one is the is the catalyst for all those other answers. Yeah, I do. I think that's I think, the, that's think, probably the I, first one I checked. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that right there sets the tone 
for any and everything, you know, and, and the business that I'm in right now, uh, well, that I've been in for a long time now, uh, we've got some people that are in place right now. We've got a person that is in place. And ever since, and I knew that if that person, and I've been bucking for it, and if I knew that if that person got in place, that a whole bunch of stuff would fall right in line, and it would be great. And right now in my career for this, I'm happier than I've ever been because that part, the right people got in the right place. And they have a game plan, and they execute it. And all those other choices are great, and they're well and fine, but they are all contingent upon that very first thing. And if we get that very first thing fixed, the rest of it's going to be what it's going to be. Look, we're in the SEC, so here's a fact for you. There's a certain level that, that the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world can get to, but look what they've had to do to do that. Think about – don't even focus on them. Focus on the A&Ms and, 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 and programs like that and all those ones in between where they live in a world where they spend these gobs of money, have bring in big-time names – and they have a culture that says eight wins is going to get you fired. Boy, you know, that'd be great if we, could, if we had that much success where eight wins isn't nearly good enough. But that's what this, that's, that's what this conference and culture of this conference has become. I mean, think about that for a second. They have all kinds of success, and it's not good enough for any of them. Think about that, Chris. Hey, do, do you know what's about to happen in Baton Rouge? Like, they are LSU was probably going to fire a coach who won a national title two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Let, I know, mean, how how far years. of a cry? I I don't. This is the thing. I don't know that that's ever going to change. You you know some of the stories behind the scenes that we've talked about at times. I just don't think that part has changed yet, and I don't know that the school really wants it to change. Right. Oh, I agree. And and you know, and, and here's what's crazy. As much as I love my conference, and I mean this with all the love in the world, we got some really stupid fans. Uh, here's here's what I mean by that. I keep hearing things like I've had this conversation with several people over the last month. I ought to kick Vanderbilt out of the SEC. You know, they suck at football. They ought to kick them out of the SEC. Now, I don't hear that from like Alabama fans and stuff as much as I do these mid-pack teams in the SEC. And I'm thinking to myself, how dumb can you be? You, you've got Texas and Oklahoma on the way, and you want to kick us out and replace us with what, Clemson? You know, Ohio State? What are we talking about here, Chris? It's almost impossible now. Teams it's don't want them. Teams now. don't want them out of the league. I promise you that. Um, the the ADs and the presidents don't. don't want them out of the league, and it's 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 because of, of what you're saying. Not. It is a it is a good road trip and it's an easy win and that's they don't want the, it's it's a place to ask people for money that's not going to change the league is probably never going to kick them out for those reasons. Well, there's first of all, yeah. They, now, should they be forced to spend? You know, yes, absolutely. I'm ashamed of the way they've done that. I mean, they should have taken some of this money and spent it to what you know raised it in the first place. Sorry, but it's just true. That's a whole nother conversation. But we think about this: these, these, these our, our our conference brethren are in a situation where eight wins in this conference with these types of teams is unacceptable. Now, I could see where eight wins is not acceptable in Tuscaloosa and Athens, and maybe even in Tallahassee, not Tallahassee, but in Gainesville. Um, 
But when I start seeing teams like, you know, Missouri and Tennessee and Arkansas and, and Texas A&M and Mississippi State scoff at eight and four and think about firing coaches over that, I think to myself, is that what I really aspire for us to be? I mean, I want to win just as bad as anybody. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and I hated losing even when Franklin was here and we wouldn't win in nine games two years ago. Each loss was burned in my brain. I, I, I get all that. But, y'all, I, I mean, it's it, – what we're in the midst of just – I don't even know how to describe it. It is such a uh, – it, it is such a dog-eat-dog conference. I know that's the weakest thing I could come up with, but it really is. You know, I, I don't ever want to be in a situation where I want to fire my coach because he couldn't win 10 games that year. You know, it's unrealistic. We're in the toughest conference. There's about to be 16 of us, you know, and it's just crazy what this thing has become. You know, it's crazy what this has become. And I don't, I'm not asking for our uh, administration to create that type of atmosphere. I don't want that. I, I promise you, if you put out the best that you've got and you give me a good product, and I know that you're dedicated to this program and to your fan base and giving us the best that this universe, this wonderful university uh, can possibly put, and when you put your name on it, you give everything you've got, that will be plenty good for me. I promise you that. Uh, but they have to live up to that end of it. They have they have to put that foot forward. And so right now, that's an easy box check for me. Uh, uh, you know, th- look, the talk is great, and I know there's plans. Start unveiling these things. Let's go. It's like I told you, even this $300 million, the truth of the matter is it's a drop in the bucket. If everybody else stopped trying to, to uh, com- continue to raise money and enhance their facilities, maybe that would be a little bit better. But this is just uh, – you know, this is just a fractional piece of what needs to be done. This is not a one-time deal. It has to be the first of many steps, uh, you know. And if, if that commitment is not there, then all this, it won't matter who our coach is. And it, none, nothing will matter if they uh, are, are, are not in place. That has to happen. It is not just my answer and the number one. It's number one by a long way. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I just, unfortunately, I think – from what I see in here privately, I, I think their priorities are more on propping up the people and things that, that they feel are important to them before it is winning. I just, I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if things change. But, um, gosh, again, I, I think if you want to say, if we look back 10 years from now and we're still having the same conversations, which I think is probably a 50-50 bet at, at, at worse. Um, I think people look back on the period between September the 11th, 2018, and the Hiram Malcolm Turner in the aftermath, and that'll be that'll be the, the period of time that changed everything, that they could have fixed it and they didn't. And I just I don't know that that's ever going to change. May not. I mean, well, I've I've learned not, I've been burned too many times questioning you on these types of things, so I'm not going to do that. Um, right now, I'm going to have to put my faith in in in, in Chancellor Deermeyer that he's serious about this. That's because that's all I got. I don't have anything else. There's nothing to to fall back on. I mean, if they if they don't if they won't do it now, if it's not now, then it's probably never. So I just you know I'm, I'm going to have to ride that horse till it bucks me. 
Hey, you've got to go. I've got to go. Tell folks where they can find your show. Hmm. Ow. Hang on, Chris. <laughs> oh, good. I bit, my, I bit my tongue. Sorry about that. Oh, ooh, that hurt. All right. You can find me at, at Cheap Seats Bass on Twitter. Drop a line and say hi to me. I love y'all. Uh, and you can find me on your radio dial twice a day on 101.5 in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, the sports show that I do is the Cheap Seats in year number 22. Uh, at 6 o'clock Monday through Friday, sir. Hey, thanks for joining me, and I'll, I'll catch you again soon. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.